G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. God tells us over and over again in His Word, the Bible, that we need to have faith. So you stop and you think about that for a bit. Hmm. Well, if that's going to work, God's perfect, so my faith has to be perfect. And it's not. Ah, well, there goes that whole faith thing. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and welcome again to the program as today we take a powerful look at your faith from a whole different perspective. There's an old saying, no man is a total loss. He can always be used as a bad example. It always makes me smile. This week and for the next three weeks on the program, we're talking about having faith that moves mountains. And yesterday I made the comment that our faith doesn't have to be perfect in order to move mountains. We always think that we have to have perfect faith, huge faith. We think that our faith has to be bigger than the mountain. Of course, that's logical. It's just not true. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be lifted up and cast into the sea. The size of a tiny, tiny mustard seed. Now today, I want to drive this point home because as much as I say it, we still fall back, fall back into this this same old deception that actually to move that great big mountain, my faith has to be bigger than the mountain, right? So I want to introduce you to a man called Abraham. Maybe you know him already. He had faith. God did amazing things. But Abraham's faith was far from perfect. Abraham was the father of Israel. You can read about him from Genesis chapter 12 onwards in the Old Testament. He was about 75 years old. His wife, Sarah, was about the same age. And God called them out on an amazing faith journey. But Abraham was also human, very human, very imperfect. In fact, he was and is a case study of imperfection. Now, Paul, about 1900 years after Abraham, had this to say about him. Hoping against hope, Abraham believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said, so numerous will your descendants be. He didn't weaken in his faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, and he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. Therefore, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. That comes from the New Testament, Romans chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. Wow, he didn't weaken in faith. No distrust made him waver. Here we go again. Another impossible super-Christian that I'm not. As I said, we'll come back to Paul's assessment of Abraham's faith later. But right now, we're going to take a quick walk through the story of Abraham. And my hunch is that as we take a closer look, it'll make your spirit soar. There's no doubt that Abraham was a man of faith. He got up and he got on his journey. The story starts when his name is Abram. 
which means exalted father. What a joke. He was 75 years old. His wife Sarai was no spring chicken either, quietly. No children, no hope. And God comes along and says this to him. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. Now, that's a pretty incredible step of faith. He leaves the comfort and safety of his home and his family on the promise from God of great blessing. Land and children, the two symbols of blessing in the Old Testament. If you had those, land and children, you were blessed of God. And if you didn't, you weren't. And Abraham didn't, so he wasn't. He had no hope of having children at his age. He didn't even have a Bible because it hadn't been written yet or a pastor to run this by. He just went to follow hard after God's plan for his life. But then what ensues over the next 25 years or so? Well, it's best described as a comedy of errors. You see, after a time, Abraham's faith in fact wavered. Twice he sold his wife, the woman who was supposed to have this baby, to fulfil God's promise. He sold her into another man's harem. He put his life in danger trying to save his nephew Lot, whom he took on this journey of his own volition. He sleeps with a slave woman to conceive a son through her. He implores God. He complains to God. What are you doing, God? He laughs at God even. So does his wife. After all, they're both heading towards a 100. No baby yet. 25 years they've been on this crazy journey. Have a read of it in Genesis chapters 12 to 21. But at the end of the day, he gets his son, Isaac. Against all the odds, against completely, totally impossible odds, God blesses him. Now, it seems to me that Paul was looking at Abraham through rose-coloured glasses those 1900 years on. Remember what Paul wrote about Abraham? We looked at it earlier. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith and he gave God the glory, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore, his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. How can that be? How can Paul give such an apparently glib, rosy executive summary of this comedy of errors which we call Abraham's faith journey? Well, we find the answer to that here in Paul's letter in Romans chapter 4 if we'll take a closer look. For the promises that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of of faith. Romans chapter 4 verse 13. In other words, you and I can judge Abraham for what he did or didn't do, but God will not. And the reason that God won't is because Abraham had faith. Granted, he he believed imperfectly, but he believed. He had just the smallest amount of faith, and he used it the best way he knew how. He went on the journey. He did his best. He, he made mistakes, but he did his best, and that was enough for God. God wasn't looking for perfection. In fact, as Paul points out, the law hadn't even been written back then. There was no law for Abraham to comply to. That only came centuries later through Moses. It wasn't perfection that saw the promises of God realized. It was one man's simple, fallible, human faith. This is what it says, And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. That's just like you and me. When we 
put our faith in Jesus, our right standing with God, our righteousness, comes through faith. For, for no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law. For through the law, we get to know about sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed. And it's attested to by the law and the prophets. See, the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. For there is no distinction since we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They are now justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies one who has faith in Jesus. Romans chapter 3 verses 20 to 26. It's a gift called grace and it's not just for our eternal life. It's for life here and now. It's for all the mistakes we make along the way with a heart to follow after God that sometimes grows weak a heart that sometimes aches, eyes that sometimes grow dim, ears that sometimes grow tired. Before we go, I'd just like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would love to pray for you. Listen, the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at PowerfulPrayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could pray for one or two others and leave them an encouraging word as well. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So let us pray for you and with you. And let's just see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time Monday with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.